a privilege as we open the bread of life to listen to our man servant, brother Andy Charles, who will come forward and teach us from the word of God. Andy. Amen and amen. amen. Good morning to the household of faith and to those who may be viewing uh, our broadcast at some point in the future. It is good to be in the house of the Lord and God is always good. Amen. He's good all the time and He continues to be good and His mercies endure it forever. This morning we want to continue, this is part four of our learning series. We have a team and we have a sub-team. The team is entitled Living a Spiritual Life in a Physical World. And the sub-team is entitled Unseen Warfare. Remember, we were looking at the different aspects of warfare that has been waged against the church and by extension you and I from our arch enemy, Satan. And we looked at different aspects and different prospects of how this war is being waged in the spirit realm against God's people. We looked at the fact that in the past, in the period of antiquity, Satan's desire and ultimate plan was to completely destroy the nation of Israel as God's chosen people. In this present moment, in this present time, in this present dispensation that we are living in, he's not so concerned about destroying or wiping out. He's concerned about deception. He's concerned about dividing and conquer. He has changed and adopted his ways, his mechanisms, his darts that he's sending in our direction because he believes if he can divide the church, then he can conquer. I want you to consider a scene that has been played out in National Geographic. I know that you are familiar with that channel. Most of us would have seen it at one point in time or the other. And you have a herd of animals feasting by a pool or a stream because they are thirsty. And the hunters, a pack of lions, would be hiding somewhere in the bushes, keeping a vigil on this herd of animals. Maybe it would have been deers or some other kind of animals. But they're moving as a family and they're quenching their thirst. And you would see as the, the, the film plays on that over time, they would try to separate the herd of animals and seek out the weakest and when they get the weakest that's food 
think about it in terms of how the devil functions it's the same thing it's the same motto it's the same emo when he separates us and he divides us by whatever means and there are several means we don't have enough time to get into all the means he looks to see who he can pounce on as far as those who may appear to be weaker in the faith that's a normal progression of any kind of war because if you begin to hit from the weak points eventually you can get to the strong points and so what he's going to do is going to target people in the church who appears to be spiritually much more vulnerable than others and how does he know this well you have to remember that he's in the spirit realm and he's our constant companion he keeps tabs he watches our every movement he knows our moods he knows our ins and outs our ups and downs he knows what we will fall prey to and he knows the things that he cannot bring in our direction because we have strengthened our hearts and minds by our faith in what we believe in in the word of God and with our relationship with the Savior and therefore he knows exactly where to strike and when to strike the challenges brother Frankie we sometimes don't realize that he has stricken until time has passed and the reason why that is so is because what happens in the spirit realm takes time to manifest in the physical realm that's a reality and we have to understand so the question you may be asking brother Andy is how can we discern what the enemy is doing who he is attacking and how he is attacking I'm gonna make a statement here and folks might be offended but I'm gonna make it anyway and I want us to understand the objectivity behind the statement and where it is coming from our main threat in the church is not Satan by himself Our main threat is our ignorance of what he can do and when he can do it and how he can do it. I want to repeat that because I don't want it to be misunderstood or mistaken. The main threat that we have in the church is not Satan by himself. We know he is our arch enemy. The challenge that we have and the main threat really is our inability to see to perceive to understand where when and how he is attacking and that is based on a level of ignorance ignorance is not an ugly word in this particular aspect the Greek word is angenia and what it says is that ignorance means unawareness unfamiliarity and knee science the term knee science meaning we do not have the information or the information is not available to us but it goes a little deeper than that and for those of you who are taking notes there's another aspect of the term of ignorance that most people suffer from 
And I use the term suffer not lightly because if you don't know, you don't know. The next level of ignorance is that it says it is a lack of desire to know what you don't know. And sometimes as Christians we suffer from a lack of desire to know what we don't know because when it is time to come in the house of God and get the information or call a brother or a sister whom we recognize is much more versed and understanding of the scriptures and may be able to help us interpret what we are seeing which we can't interpret for ourselves we do not seize upon the opportunity to do that or spend more quality time with each other talking about the things that would encourage us and help us to go to the next level of our faith we need to understand that there is a way in which we can overcome the internal trek it is by having a greater desire to understand our position in Christ the legality of the weaponry that he has given unto us and how we can use them to defend ourselves against the wiles of Satan so the greatest challenge our greatest enemy is our own fault if we don't understand it we should not blame anyone else but ourselves because we have so many things available to us the internet is a huge world all by itself and there's a whole lot of information it's a global village out there and we use it for a lot of things but if we don't use it for the things that we need to know, understand, and bring information, knowledge unto us, then why use it anyways? So we have to understand that God has made it possible for there to be many tools available to us to get the information that we need to understand the warfare that we are involved in. In our last lesson, we looked at the murmuring, the fussing, and the rebellion of the nation of Israel whilst they were coming out of Egypt. And I want us to understand how the enemy works here because we have to look at the fact that if you have been in a period of dispensation where you have been under slavery and bondage, for a consistent period of time and in this instance it has been for a period of 400 years and more when you come out of that will you be any different or will you have a desire to at the first sight of adversity or change to want to go back that is what happened right and so Satan realized that and God did too brother Pollard here's the thing even though it was generation after generation after generation the fact that we were in a place where we had to be slaves to masters remember they control everything psychologically physically emotionally socially spiritually everything the Egyptians control and we'll see that play out just now and so everything that we did was controlled managed supervised and maneuvered by the Egyptians and we became accustomed to that and so after a certain time it became as if something was embedded in our DNA 
I'm talking about the nation of Israel, of course. And so when they came out of, Israel, of Egypt, sorry, as God's chosen people, psychologically, emotionally, and spiritually, they were damaged. They were damaged. Now God realized this. He saw this. And so what he did, on 10 occasions, he showed them that he was able to take care of the enemy who had subjugated them for over 400 years and at the same time take care of his chosen people without any harm or hurt or danger coming to them. He was working on their mindset by doing this. We got to understand that God realized what he was up against with the influence and the wiles of Satan. Satan's ultimate plan at that time was to deter God's ultimate plan for the nation of Israel. Remember we read in the book of Genesis chapter 15 where God had spoken to Abraham about the future. I don't want to go back there because of time but remember he had told him that his people would be under bondage for over 400 years but after that he would take care of the enemies and they would come out of that bondage with much wealth. Didn't that happen before the crossing of the Red Sea? Yes, in Exodus 14. But then what happened? When they saw the armies of Pharaoh behind them and the sea, the Red Sea before them, fear took over. And in that moment, they forget all the times that God had taken care of them and defended them and protected them whilst dealing with the Egyptians. Does that bring back some memories to us? Think about it. Ten occasions, God has done this. And yet in the moment when you're supposed to trust him the most, you're murmuring. And you're saying to Moses, aren't there enough graves in Egypt for us to be buried there? We told you not to bring us out. Who are you to tell Moses what to do when God had told him to do otherwise? He was fulfilling prophecy that God had told Abram many years before. So this was the time, this was the moment. We have to recognize our seasons of blessing in the Lord. And be able to embrace that and be convicted that God is doing a good thing in our lives. Despite what we see before and behind us. And so... What God did was he decided to make a mega statement. So he defied the laws of physics and he parted the Red Sea. And the nation of Israel, sure enough, walked through on dry land. Amazing, right? Amazing indeed. But when they got out on the other side, there was a word before that God had told Moses to tell his people. What did he say? Stand still. For today you shall see my salvation. For the enemies that are pursuing you today from this day on, you shall see them no more. Isn't God awesome? Do you think it's the same God that we are dealing with today? 
even in the midst of our spiritual warfare where we can't see what is coming at us but we know that we are the target of Satan because we are associates joint heirs soldiers in the army of Christ and so when God did that mega moment he wanted to give the assurance to the nation of Israel that I am with you despite the circumstances that you see and the negative influence of Satan telling you to murmur and fuss in the future. Trust me. Depend on me. Rely on me. It does not matter what he brings. I will take care of you. This is what God was saying to the nation of Israel. But they still murmured <laughs> and they still fuss. I want to share a story with us this morning. And it was told by a gentleman by the name of Robin Banks. Robin Banks is a world famous life development and performance coach. And I recently had the privilege of being involved in a live summit with him over the weekend. And he was sharing his story with us. And I want to share it with us because it's highly relevant to the message. He helps people overcome mental struggles and gives them the tools, the systems to focus in the direction that they need to focus so that they have the mindset for success in whatever they endeavor to do. God desires the same for us. You may find a bit of irony and a bit of humor, but a whole lot of reality in his story. He said, his ex and him happened to live on the same estate. He is living in one apartment on one side and she is living on one apartment on the other side but on the same property. Picture that in your mind. Two months have passed since they are separated and over that period of time he has observed a pattern. He can look through his bedroom window and see whether she is at home or not because he can see her driveway and her car park there and if it's 5 30 p.m. in the afternoon he knows that she's back from work and if it's 6 30 p.m. in the evening he knows she's back from the gym just one hour difference and in this particular day he happened to be passing by his bedroom window and he looked and he saw 5 30 was the time and she was not there one hour after he passed the 6.30, he just happened to be passing by his bedroom window and the car still was not there. By 7.30, 8.30, 9.30, the level of his anxiety had gone through the roof because he had never seen that uncertain pattern before. Either it was there at 5.30 or 6.30. Stay with me. And so... Let me tell you a secret. He did not call her. That's a secret. You'll see why. He called everybody else except her. To find out, have you seen or heard from Vicky? 
Nope, we haven't seen or heard from her today. And so, by 11.30, he had to be passing by the bedroom window again and happened to look at her driveway and still the car was not there. And he said what happened is that his mind and his imagination began to run wild. Based on evidence that he saw, but was part evidence, not the whole evidence. The reason why he did not call her is because he did not want her to think that he was still having problems dealing with the separation. He wanted to show a macho man personality. Because if he had called her, she would have said, why are you calling me? We are separated. We have an agreement. What's up with you? So he didn't call. And he said what happened is that in that moment, he began to think about things that he should not have thought of. And he remembered some time ago, they had sat down at lunch and this particular salesman had come along and his ex was having a wonderful conversation with this salesman and they were smiling and he was patting her on the back and stuff. And he took that into his mind and he started to think about the things that he should have been doing with her, his ex. But he was thinking that someone else, this gentleman in particular, was doing it. And he went to sleep miserable and sick. The following day, he had an opportunity to speak with her, but he waited for two days because of pride. You know how we men are sometimes. When he finally came, he brought something because he had to make an excuse to see her. He said, look, I remember that you left this in our apartment, so I'm bringing it for you. She said, thank you. And then he said, you know what, I need to ask you a question. Um, Tuesday, I saw that your vehicle was not in the driveway. And I did not know what was happening. What time did you come home? She said, why are you ask? No, I'm just, you know, <laughs> curious. And she said to him, that day I had to take my car in for service. And they kept it overnight. And they gave me a lift home. I was home all the time studying for work the next day. See, I have to walk away a little bit. I want that to sink in. He was sitting on a couch and he felt as if he could go through the couch. Because of the sickening thoughts that he had in his mind. Because he had only seen part of the evidence. I want us to understand something. Satan works in a similar manner. He presents us with a certain part of the evidence because he wants to create an impression that all is not well. And as long as he gets our mind to wonder what is happening with that brother or that sister that we are now beginning to hold in judgment without knowing all the facts and having all the information, he knows then he can use that to divide and conquer. That's one of the ways he's waging warfare in the church today. I make no apologies about that. We may see a brother doing something or a sister doing something or they may be absent for a particular period of time and instead of trying to make direct contact with that brother or sister, we begin to formulate thoughts in our minds. See, if he had only called her, she would have told him what was going on. 
and he would have saved himself all the worry and the anxiety and the discontented feelings that he had and the thoughts he did more damage to himself and we do that sometimes because that's the way that Satan wants to divide and conquer you don't believe me let's go to the book of Exodus chapter 32 and many of us will be very familiar with this story or account however you choose to describe it Exodus chapter 32 now the whole concept behind this story or account is that Satan looks for a particular time to strike remember I told you in the beginning that he has a way of phasing out those whom he consider to be not so strong so that he can deal with the weak until he gets to those that are strong watch this Exodus chapter 32 verse 1 I'm reading from the ESV version when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him up make us gods who shall go before us as for this Moses the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt we do not know what has become of him see the connection see the correlation they're looking at the fact that Moses has gone up into Mount Sinai to spend time with God but because of a lack of faith and stability and steadfastness and consistency in the ability to trust in the will of God they now begin to doubt because they are saying we don't know what's happening with Moses. Guess what? Satan loved this moment. I want us to see what is happening here. Moses, the strong man, is away. So now is the time to influence those who are not fully convinced to take up the past and bring it back so he can divide and conquer. That is what is happening. That statement they are making there up make us gods that's Egypt that's the stain and the hurt of Egypt from the past the baggage that they have come out of Egypt with is still with them internally they have not been totally delivered there are some Christians who are dealing with that same kind of principled situation we are here in the Church of Christ we are worshipping, we are fellowshipping, we are doing all the things but there are so many things from the past that we are still dealing with and we need help the enemy knows this because he's keeping tabs on us question is what are we doing about it we need to be proactive now brother McGilvery spoke about weak leadership we'll see it being displayed here did not Moses left Aaron the high priest in charge? he did and so what Moses had done, Aaron was supposed to continue doing, right? Mm. Well, let's see what happens. Verse number 2. So Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. Why in God's name did he do that? 
But frankly, what Aaron was doing was saying, I welcome the influence of Satan. Let's get it done. That's what, that's what he was doing. Aaron knew very well that this is not what they were supposed to be doing. So why did he not stand up against the people and say, no, God forbid. He did not because his leadership was weak. He felt overwhelmed. And the ground that he was standing upon, it was not enough for him to say no. There are times when we will have to say no. When we recognize that something that some folks may want to do may not be or is not in the will of God, backed up by the word of God, we must be willing, have the fortitude to say, Brother Garcia, no. Aaron did not. So what happened? They took it off. It is evidence that they came out of Egypt with much. But unfortunately, their mindset was in the wrong place. Satan knew that, and he pounced. Why didn't he come when Moses was around? Oh boy. So, what happened? I want us to look at verse 4. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graven tool and made a golden calf. He did it himself. My God. And they said, the people that is, these are our gods, words of self-destruction. O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. He feel he's smart. That I walk in Aaron. Don't try that. There's no double standards in the kingdom of God. God does not need to be associated with false God worship. What did Jesus tell the woman of Samaria at the well in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 4 and verse 24? God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Not based on a lie or deception or falsities. Come on Aaron. Verse 7. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Watch verse 9. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. The next term we can use for that is stubborn. The next term is hard-headed. Verse 10. And this is where it gets ugly. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation of you. Here's another secret. 
That is exactly what Satan wanted God to do. See, here's the thing. If God destroyed the entire nation of Israel and starts to rebuild through one man, Moses, how long will that take to happen? Who then will resist Satan upon the face of the earth? Oh my goodness, people. I, wonder, I hope you see where I'm going with this. Satan believed that if he got God to destroy the nation of Israel, he will have to rebuild, obviously. And in that time, he's free to roam. No resistance. His influence would be increased. You know what? That same Satan is around today. The planet change, you know. The modus operandi might change. The methods might change. The methodologies might change. The directions might change. But it's the same plan. <laughs> but Moses implored the Lord, verse 11, his God, and said, Oh Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand. So now he's beginning to remind God of what God did. In other words, have you done all of that in vain to now wipe it away in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye? Hmm. Verse 12. Why should the Egyptians say with evil intent did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. And then he further stresses his point by bringing back the exact words that God had said. <laughs> Watch this, verse 13. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, that term there, King James Version had said, Jacob, your servants to whom you swore. You swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have promised, I will give to your offspring and they shall inherit it forever. Moses was smart. He was wise. He didn't say, hey God, where's your stories? How are you going to do that? No. He gave him specific information based on what God had said in his promise to the forefathers so he's saying i am going to hold you accountable to the words that you god have said you promised this you said this you swore by our fathers so it is incumbent of you upon you to fulfill and keep alive what you have said because if you don't all the egyptians will say and the rest of the world the reputation of you will go out and say, you have brought them out to this place only for the sole purpose of destroying them. And what happened? Verse 14. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. So in other words, God changed his mind. And in that instant, Moses left went back down to the people hmm. 
verse 19. I want to fast track this a little bit. And as soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, images of what they had seen back in Egypt, bear that in mind. Moses' anger burned hot, and he threw the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. He had a problem controlling his temper. He took the calf that they had made and burned it with fire and ground it to powder and scattered it on the water and made the people of Israel drink it. And Moses said to Aaron, What did this people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them? He put the blame solely and squarely on the leader that he had left in his absence, Aaron. He was right. He was right. And Aaron said, let not the anger of my Lord burn hot. You know the people that they are set on evil. Remember a certain king when he was told to destroy everything of the Amalekites? Hmm? Remember that fella? <laughs> and when confronted by the prophet, because he heard the noise of animals in the camp. What have you done, Saul? Well, you know the people... He was passing on the blame to the people. Aaron is doing the same thing. You know the people. You are the one responsible. You are the one I left in charge. You are the one I've given authority. Saul, you are king. It is better to obey than to sacrifice. What are you telling me about the people? You have a responsibility. Do what God tells you to do. Hmm. It plays out in a very bad way. So I want to fast track again. Verse 26. So they had this period where questions were being asked. And blame was being passed. And then Moses said. He stood in the gate of the camp and said. Who is on the Lord's side come to me. And all the sons of Levi. The tribe of the priesthood gathered around him. And he said to them. Thus says the Lord God of Israel. Put your sword on your side each of you and go to and fro from gate to gate throughout the camp and each of you kill his brother and his companion and his neighbor whoa so he did not destroy the whole nation of Israel but a price had to be paid ah. and the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses and that day 3,000 men of the people fell People of God, there are times when God will have to do a cleansing in his church. See, the people that rebelled and murmured and encouraged and coerced Aaron to do that foolish thing that he had did in opposition to the commandment of God... They were the ones that the Satan that we know now was influencing to so do. And so, in order for the nation of Israel to move on with the plan according to God, they had to be removed. They had to be sacrificed. Sometimes, some people will have to be removed from God's church. But only God can decide who they are because it is 
his church. Nevertheless, you realize what happened here. Moses, given the authority by God to be the supervisor, the superintendent, however you want to describe him, the leader, he had the right to make the decision, but he did it in a democratic manner. He asked them to make a choice. You remember Joshua? In Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15. Choose ye this day whom ye shall serve. It will be the God of your fathers on the other side of the river, the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my household, we shall serve the Lord. Joshua made a choice. Moses had already made his choice. He was now asking the nation of Israel to make a choice. They made a choice, they paid a price. There are consequences when we make the wrong choice. There is salvation when we make the right choice. Those that made the right choice on that day were saved. Those that made the wrong choice because of the influence of Satan to disrupt God's plan, they were removed. And so their influence was gone, but for a season. I need to stop here. Any questions or comments before I close in the essence of time? Okay, great. Thank you so much for your listening and your commitment. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful and grateful unto you for your mercies. And your grace that you make available to us every single day of our lives. As we continue to walk this life that you have given unto us, we pray God that we will do so in spirit and in truth and that whatever we do will be pleasing and welcoming in your sight. As we continue with this morning's worship, we pray God that our worship would be like a sweet smelling savor going up to you. That your name would be glorified and your people continue to be edified. Fill us with the joy of your spirit as we sing songs and listen to your manservant. May he bring the word with power 